Cicatrice nous rappelle d'où on arrive Les combos qu'on doit livrer quand le destin chavire Guerrier, on fera ce qu'il faut pour la famille Cœur de lion, œil de tigre, on a la paix dans la mire The battles are never ending, I know But we will get up and get on with the fight And we'll do whatever for what is right Just put your trust in us, in us. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our very first English podcast. So welcome to Interview with a Warrior. First edition, first episode, the first season. And uh, already I have to say sorry for, par pardon my uh, English. And uh, Jeremy's going to be the lead tonight and I'm going to be the sidekick. And uh, But I have to introduce our first guest because I have the pleasure to Uh, train with him uh, in Kenjutsu in Ottawa. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sensei Jeremy Doman. And I was wondering, how do you pronounce your family name? Because in you, French, it, to me, it's like the man. So, is it the man? It, yeah? it really is. It's, it's, I think, probably the best last name that I could ever have asked yeah. for because it's literally the man, like it's Dutch for <laughs> the man. It's, and it's funny because everyone wants to kind of come up with a different pronunciation to avoid that. Yeah. So I'll get, hi, is this Mr. Demon? Yeah. And I'm like, you, you choose demon it's like worse. over demand. <laughs> like, if you have two options, you went for the bad one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So please introduce us to your, um, uh, your journey as a martial artist. Uh, when did you start and... Uh, Why and where did you come from? Well, I think probably the funniest thing is the journey to the to being a martial artist is, I think, being an 80s kid growing up watching Ninja Turtles and yes. just loving the idea of anything with swords. And, and I, I grew up out west. I'm from Edmonton, actually, originally. Okay. And, um, and the ironic piece, I think, is my parents had, like, They were a little bit hippie in nature. They had no toy swords, no toy weapons, no toy guns in the house. And all I wanted from like kind of six onward was I wanted that plastic sword that was at the toy store. And how would they go uh, with your parents? Would oh, they approve gosh, they, that or will no, that like, no, oh, no, don't play with sword? That's it. There, no, okay. there's no toy swords in the house. Okay, no okay. toy swords. So I went to my grandparents. And I said, hey, you know what would be awesome if you can give me? Well, probably not as articulate, but there's this toy sword, a katana, like a little Japanese sword. They bought it for me, and oh, I was the happiest kid ever, thinking, thinking I got away with all of this and was running around whenever I go to my grandparents' place, ah, doing techniques with this sword, which is really just flailing it around like I think every <laughs> young kid does when presented with that. We just lose your explanation. So what did what happened when you're when you After come back you at home with your katana? Yeah, it wasn't allowed. They still said oh. no. You got to leave it at your grandparents' place. No plastic swords in the house. So I figured the best way is I'll just grab a stick and I'll go into, into the backyard and I'll play with sticks and that'll be my sword. Yeah, and that. Okay. Uh, you know, basically spent all this time thinking I was the coolest, coolest kid around as I was flipping around this stick in the, in the backyard or camping. 
So you were saying uh, the, your parents were not uh, were not really uh, open to the idea of you having a plastic sword. No, they were not open at all. They they were not content with uh, with the idea. But like any, I guess, kid wanting to do swords, all he needed to do was go camping and grab a stick, mm -hmm. and voila! Then it's all just waving around on hikes, pretending that you're a samurai or a ninja or any other sort of person with a sword. Yeah. And I know you didn't have any like formation, but did you try to catch up like a some sort of like cut or stuff in movies when you were uh, seeing like a samurai stuff or a Ninja Turtle uh, and thing like that? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There was, I remember watching shows and like recording them on my VHS okay, and okay, then okay. rewinding it to try to copy the choreography. The, oh, they did this really cool movement. Ah, that's really neat. I'll, I'll yeah, because back then out. we didn't have YouTube, like to just. No. Yeah. Back. So okay, we have again, to hit again, pause again. on that one. So for the for the young ins watching, a VHS is like a plastic box that plays mm -hmm. movies when you put it in some kind yeah. of a player, because <laughs> it's something from another era. They don't even yeah. sell them anymore in Walmart. <laughs> it's over even <laughs> dvds are like old school for kids now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it's VHS like chess is what, like what, antiques what is not streaming something <laughs> yeah like, what yeah. do you mean you can't just go on youtube i mean i i go on youtube and watch kinjitsu videos half my time and it's like yeah. thousands i can spend the rest of my life watching kinjitsu yeah. videos where the mm -hmm. thought of that at that time was just you know i I don't know. I guess just manual. Are we recording right now? Are you editing? How is this? Yeah, going? I can hit it. Like if you it's edit? Necessary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just I, I wanted to confirm just before I because I'm going <laughs> to try not <Yeah>. to ramble. <laughs> yeah, because of course, uh, I, generally I don't edit much. Yeah. But if I have yeah. to, I will. So, of course, uh, we do. Uh, We do a pause. I'm gonna skip it, and it's okay. So. Yeah, we did like once in the first season when I talk about the body I hide. That's it. <laughs> Swords, you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, self defense thing. Okay, go. From the point you have a plastic sword to the point you have a real katana from medieval Japan, what happened? Well, I think what happened was. I was looking for actual formal instruction mm -hmm. and I was looking all over Edmonton, couldn't find anything, went to a number of different karate dojos and they had weapons on the wall. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, yes, I want to learn that. And they're like, sorry, that's, you know, you need your black belt. You need to be doing this for 10, 15 years before you do that. And that really discouraged me because I never really wanted to get into a, like, you know, hand-to-hand -hand martial arts. Mm -hmm. It was always weapon-based. And so um, I ended up finding a little brochure for, for Noble House Kinjitsu, which was the dojo I ended up training in, and called them up. I was so excited. I was 14 years old. And they said, we're sorry. You are, our, our minimum age is 18. You are not allowed to train. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, no. So then I kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things. I tried, you know, Olympic fencing, trying to see if that would, would kind of scratch that itch. But mm. there was just something for me about, you know, I had a wonderful fencing instructor, like 
she was a gold medalist fencer and the feeling of the the foil kind of moving around and whipping mm. through the air it just never connected to me it didn't have that mindset that i wanted and so mm. i kind of forgot about it until until uh, starting university it was 2002 and was cleaning out my bedroom and found the little brochure and thought hey I'm 18 now. Mm. I'm going to join this. I'm going to see what this is all about. And really, I, I, I jokingly say, but I went to class and I hated 95% of the class. I thought, wow, they had me just doing cuts. Just, I thought mm. ah, I want to be doing lots of sword work. And all it was was just, you know, spending... Mm about half an hour just working on this. And then after that, okay, something new, here we go. And it's cutting this way. <laughs> half an hour of that, I thought, oh, this is awful. All my dreams of, of martial arts is completely out the window now. This was the only place I found in Edmonton that was teaching, you know, traditional Japanese sword. This is what I was wanting. And it was, it was disappointing until we went into our first partner uh, kata. And as soon as you go into partner kata with a boken, like a wooden sword, it all of a sudden clicked. The connection of having a wooden sword, you're cutting, someone's blocking, and you have you know, a very, very tactile response as the bokens are connecting. And then you're doing all these movements with each other. And I thought this, this clicked. And it was like, nope, I'm sold. I'm going to be doing this for as long as I... Uh, as I have the opportunity to still do this. And, and I think that that for me was really the start of, of my Kinjutsu uh, mm. training was that, that opportunity to just train and to feel, you know, that, that if you talk about that spark, that was what I was always looking for when I was training was that, yeah. that feeling of connection. Yeah. And now, of course, as a teacher, you know, the the importance of like basic and stuff and it's the oh, first gosh. thing you do now when you have a new student cut, cut, <laughs> cut for hours now cut cut I confirm. exactly <laughs> okay okay so but yeah you nice have been like is... but how was it like um because uh, here like the martial art um environment is is like healthy how was it in uh in the west where you were uh, to be honest i i mean my my only knowledge about martial arts was really i had heard about karate mm -hmm. that was the only framework that i knew anything about now it wasn't necessarily that i i was you know looking for other martial arts but even when going through the through the phone book going mm -hmm. through and looking for martial arts there was i mean i i probably could have found kendo i think i i could have looked and and found that there but It wasn't, it really wasn't what I feel like martial arts is today, where, you know, okay. you're driving around at least Ottawa and there's, you know, there's martial arts here, there's martial arts there, there's anything for everyone. It was yeah. really, I, I felt a really special opportunity and a surprise that there was a school that was training Kenjutsu in Edmonton. It, mm -hmm. it, it really, it, it was weird. I think mm -hmm. it was probably the best. Weird. You know, I would expect that, like at Montreal, Ottawa, yeah, yeah, Toronto. Toronto. Like that's why. I, that, like I, I'm not judging, but like in the West, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not saying like there's nothing except mountain. Like I know it's red, and like I'm not saying that, but like 
They're yeah. having like a specialist kenjutsu katana teacher. Like it was like a lucky, yeah. lucky guess in, in your area, you know? And that's, that's exactly it. Like it's, it's one of these funniest things and to not just have, you know, any instructor, but like my sensei grew up, he, he spent, he started training kenjutsu at the age of eight mm -hmm. as an uchideshi in Japan. He was a live-in student at the dojo and trained there for about oh. 20 years, you know, under the, the, uh, you know, a uh, uh, old, he was old samurai class. who had been training his entire life as well. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, coincidence that after training all these years in, in Japan, that he's decided to move to Edmonton of all places and then open up a dojo. Mm -hmm. And so there is absolutely, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky that it was just the right time and the right opportunity and the, the right pieces. And, in Edmonton, like I said, of all places, not really known as a hotbed of traditional Japanese martial arts. Yeah. And what brings you from Edmonton to the Ottawa area? Uh, Ottawa, yeah. 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 So I, I started, I spent a number of years training in Edmonton and like we were, we were crazy training. Now that I think about it, like classes were three hours often Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there were a whole bunch of young university students like me who we would train every single day. We would, we would train before class and then have class and then train on weekends. And it was absolutely part of my, my life there, just trying to get as much as I could from this art. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, with, it was with both excitement and, and sadness that I ended up getting accepted at, to Queen's University and moved out here for school. And then spent uh, spent a number of years in Kingston, which talk about a place that's not necessarily known for its extensive martial arts uh, uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. Didn't really train a whole lot there, and and I think one of the difficulties about especially this style of kinjutsu, which is all it's all partner based, largely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's independent solo forms, but you it's really uh, partner kata and you know sparring and being able to learn how to use these techniques while under pressure either multiple attackers or or yourself and someone else and so you really need to have partners to train mm -hmm. and so i spent a lot of time just working on the solo work without necessarily finding anyone where i'm like you know it's not very very often you'd be like hey you you do martial arts you want to do some sword and uh you know get really good and let's uh let's train together It, it wasn't a, re a really good sell. And yeah. so it was when I, I moved to Ottawa, I think as most people seem to move to Ottawa to join the federal public service mm -hmm. and, yes. and decided that I was actually going to, uh, going to start training Aikido. And largely because I had never done any open handwork before. You know, I, 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 I regularly will say my favorite distance away from someone is where I can shoot them with a, a traditional Japanese bow. Mm. And then if I have to be closer, then I want them at spear range and then at sword range. And then we get closer and closer until I don't like necessarily, I don't have the skills, at least at that time, to be able to deal with anything that was closer than that. Mm -hmm. So realizing there was a real gap in my, my martial arts knowledge, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do Aikido. Um, found a number of wonderful sensei who I can I can train from, and then through that built up friendships and and training partners within the Aikido community, and then eventually was asked to uh, 
to open up the Kinjitsu class as uh, some of the instructors you know, started seeing me training more of the solo work during open practices, for example. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that leads us to, you know, starting up the class, which was, I guess, 2011. We're, we're going on our, uh, our 10 year anniversary uh, this year. <laughs> what wow. a year for that. <laughs> Congratulations. Wow. What a year. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I was uh, wondering if you can explain to the listeners um, the basic differences between Kendo and Kenjutsu. Because Ooh. I think many people can, you know, uh, mix them or, or not be able to tell the difference. But if you can tell, I think it well, would be interesting. Absolutely. So yeah. it's the I, first off from the etymology of the word, like we've got Ken, which is sword, same in mm-hmm. both, in both. Do is way in kin, and Jitsu is techniques. And largely speaking, Kenjutsu refers to you know, the battlefield techniques of feudal Japan. You know, these are the, the old schools that were created during Sengoku Jidai, the Warring States period. So okay. this is largely from kind of 1400s, 1500s until 1600. And so that's where, you know, this style that, that I uh, trained came from. It was developed about the mid 1550s, you know, that, that point. Um, And so because of that, the mentality is always about, you know, what would work on the battlefield? You know, what are the weapons that you would use? Mm-hmm. It's not just sword. And yes, we, we call it Kenjutsu because it's a little bit more known of a term. But, you know, the, the, the term used for this style is called Kyoho, which means um, like a, a warrior system. This is what the samurai would use when they were wanting to learn, like, Yari, learn spear work, learn um, naginata. It's a long, uh, a long staff with a blade on it. Uh, learn how to shoot with a bow. Learn how to use uh, swords, both one, uh, one and one in, in each hand. Mm-hmm. All these you know, weapons were all generally taught to samurai because you needed to know when you went on the battlefield that you had anything and any, everything and anything available to you. Mm-hmm. You know, your sword gets broken And you're like, oh, no, I've got only half a sword. Well, then you use shorter sword techniques. Mm-hmm. You have a spear, the top gets cut off. Oh, well, you've got a staff then. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, the mentality of it. And I regularly say, like, the, the mentality, I guess it actually works out well. So this is reproduction Japanese armor. Mm-hmm. The idea in Kenjutsu is lots of the techniques are trying to figure out where do you strike where the armor is the weakest. So mm-hmm. you strike you know, in here, in the shoulders, mm-hmm. there's no armor there. You, sh- you strike underneath the neck, you'll strike under the arms where the armor is, is the, the weakest. And mm-hmm. so the mentality in that context is you're wanting to learn how to defeat your part, your, your, the opponents on the battlefield. So we go all these years. And the nice thing about Japanese, um, the traditions in the Japanese arts is that they get passed down, you know, centuries. They've been passed mm-hmm. down in, in at least if not the exact form, but a very similar form wanting to, to go through those 450 years. Um, now, I'm going to speak generally about Kendo because to, for, for everyone as a, as a caveat, I've never actually extensively trained Kendo. Mm-hmm. I've talked with many people who are Kendoka who have trained it before and, and there's absolutely beauty in it. But it, 
I, I'm speaking out of that experience as opposed to direct knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things about kendo, and, and this is where I really frame the difference, is because you do have armor, um, but the targets are where the armor is the strongest. That's where you get points. You get points for hitting in the, in the head. You get points for skiing the chin, for hitting across the stomach, for hitting on top of the, of the, uh, the wrists. And this is largely because this is where the, the kendo armor is the, the strongest and you can, be, you can do it safer. It's a safer, mm. safer opportunity. And when you limit the amount of techniques, it really becomes a very beautiful chess game where you have, you know, it's, it's more dueling in a beautiful artistic format with, yes, there is absolutely lots of practical things behind it, mm-hmm. but it's a different context than you think, oh no, I'm surrounded and I've got a spear and I've got four people coming at me and, oh, I've got a kata that teaches me how to r- maneuver in this situation. So therefore you go into that sort of, you know, instinctual programming. And that, so that's in, in my mind is really the difference between kendo and kinjutsu. Kendo is the older version that was about you know, survival on the battlefield. Uh, kendo is the newer version that is more about, you know, it, it's become you mean more Kenjutsu is the older and Kendo is the newest. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. It makes me think like in Kurdy, we have like, we have that, but like just in mentality, we don't have like, like in style. You know what I mean, Menu? I'm not sure. Like, I, I... like the, the Kurdy with the, 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 teach, the teacher to teach us uh, come from war. And we are doing it like in time of peace. So we are changing it so much. So in terms of Kurdi, I would call it like we doing Kendo. And what mm-hmm. we were taught from older teacher, what they learned it from defending themselves was more like Kenjutsu Kurdi. We know what I mean? Yeah. Like today yeah, we're asking, I... does it work? Uh, But... Our teacher didn't think it does it work. Yeah, I would say it. I would. Uh, to complete what you what you're saying, I, I would say that the self defense part is the is more the battlefield application. We have all a, a big self defense part in kenpo. It's the basics of kenpo, and then you have all the katas that are also self defense, but are, mm-hmm. that many other school maybe teaches kata like uh, a competition thing. Uh, And they don't teach the self-defense part in it. But we have a big part uh, of self-defense ourselves. And this is the battlefield part. And mm. the first time I remember the, the f- few first time I, I came to the Kenjutsu classes, the one thing that, um, that like hit me was like the battlefield minding because karate is more like you never turn your back to the the other person right because you are end to hand but this is kenjutsu you have a sword in your hand so when you spin you are hitting people around you you are in a mm-hmm. battlefield that's one of the first thing you told me and i was like whoa this is a complete change of of the way i'm seeing things because but, in karate it's a one-on-one situation mm-hmm. most of yeah, the time right this wasn't what i was meaning um what yeah, i, mean is I like, know but i just complete Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But like, 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 I don't do, okay, me, I'm doing just karate, right, and stuff. And like, mm-hmm. if I would go after the explication I had, 
I would go more with Kenjutsu because at the end of the day, we know it. What we learn is more about what it teaches us and stuff because we cannot really uh, use it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I would go more with what's uh, traditional, what's really the source, you know. So I would go much more with Kenjutsu than mm -hmm. Kendo. But if people want to go with Kendo, it's nothing it's, wrong. It's beautiful. But, it's a beautiful but me, art. From yeah. what I know and my experience in martial art, I would go more with Kenjutsu after this station mm -hmm. I had, you know, that's it. But uh, because I would like to know more like the real thing, like cutting yeah. a throat and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, I'm not going to do it. So I would yeah. like to learn what they learned before, because that's what I want. I want the culture. Yeah. I just, I don't want just to know how to use this word. I want to learn what they yeah. learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this is the great irony. I, I, I heard uh, there's a, old he's 97 year old an old uh, kenjutsu sensei say he's devoted his entire life to an art that he's never used exactly and i thought this was the an, an ironic piece because as we say you know it is there ever a situation where i think to myself oh yes i'm going to use kenjutsu i spent you know 18 years of my life working on this will i ever use it and the answer is oh gosh it's got to be really 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 bad if I could ever imagine a situation where I'd have to use this. So mm -hmm. it leads to the ironic question of, well, why, why even bother doing it? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's the beauty of the art. It's the, uh, the, the historical preservation. Mm -hmm. Lots mm -hmm. of times, like I get, I just love the idea of, you know, training these, these techniques, knowing that 450 years worth of people mm -hmm. have trained these techniques as well. And that I'm just such a small piece in that history. Mm -hmm. uh, and for like my, lots of my academic background, at least my undergraduate degrees were all in, in Japanese history. I loved being able to read about things, read about different events and then go to class and feel like, wow, I'm, I'm actually learning the type of techniques that have been passed down. Mm -hmm. again never to use it but to feel like you're part of that that grand tradition and as you mentioned like my uh, my sword i've got an antique sword that was uh it was forged in between 1550 and 1575 and it's that same mentality of you know this sword it's 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 400 years older than me yeah. and it's probably going to hopefully live another 400, 500, 600, how many years after me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just part of this small continuation, mm -hmm. but all it takes is one, one gap. If I go, you know, that's it. I think I'm going to stop training. Mm -hmm. you know, that's one piece in that tradition that's gone. And I really believe now, especially especially the ironic pieces as there's more technology and more access to things, these old arts, these things that take 20, 30, 40 years to learn. Those are the things that are dying out the fastest mm -hmm. because it, it takes so much time. There's, there's no or very little instant gratification. I mean, but, you know, Manuel, it's like, yeah. you know, here, we're going to do this cut. And I've been doing and, the same cut for, and you know what's, what's worse with that? It's that I don't think that we could, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like it would be hard to improve a style with a weapon that we cannot use in war with zone anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. oh, let's find something better. No, like you're not doing it for real. Like they find it because it was real. So mm -hmm. don't try and do best. You're not, you're not. You Maybe in, to do like, 
uh, cool stuff, maybe. Yeah, maybe for open stuff. Oh. But like in for real stuff, for traditional stuff, they had it better because it was for wartime. It was mm-hmm. for survival. They know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Don't. It's it's. But every every person wants to do that. Like, oh, I'm gonna do better. It's, at some point, they were the best to to make it. Yeah. And I think that, like, for example, I always go back to our sparring because it's odd. Like, it's and it's odd in that it's very, you know, yes, there's points and you do get a point when you're sparring with it. But A, at the end of the day, there's there's no there's specific no point with rules. No. There, there's no, like, I, mm. I can hit you wherever because it's sword. I can, if I get in close and I sweep your legs and I throw you to the ground, well, perfect. That's, that's great. I can, I remember once I was sparring with someone and went in and ended up grabbing their sword out of their hands and had two swords. And mm-hmm. I felt very, very happy. And they said, you can't do that. My response was, well, why not? And so the, the idea behind Kenjutsu sparring is in that heat of that battlefield, hitting someone once means nothing. Mm-hmm. Because likely if I hit you, and I don't have some sort of response, you're going to hit me. And then we both die. And the mentality is if I spend 20 years of my life training in art and I go and spar with, I go on the battlefield and there's someone who's been doing an art for, you know, three, three years and I get them, but they get me. It's a waste. And if you Mm -hmm. think about the historical piece, you know, samurai have been, you know, they've been training all these years. They've been, you know, having people bring food and helping, helping provide for them while they train. Mm-hmm. And so the mentality is I have to be able to defeat someone and stay safe. Mm-hmm. And it's only if I, when I'm sparring, if I can hit, make contact with someone, either their arm or their head or however, and not get hit back. Only then do I get a point. And then on top of that, we're always about asymmetrical because remember the battlefield. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, if I'm going back to what, what Manuel was saying, if mm. there's a, a dueling situation, yeah, for sure we have a dueling situation. But on the battlefield, lots of times it's okay. I'm, I've got three people in front of me. How do I manage them? Mm. And we would set up sparring s- scenarios where you're, you're going with three people. And then, oh, well, one of them has got a spear. Yeah, well. Let's just throw that in there. And so it's always about changing up the situation and changing up the mentality. Uh, did you still practice Aikido right now or you? Uh, so I, um, I was training Aikido very regularly while I was also teaching Kinjutsu. And then I uh, tore my knee and was completely out of commission, needed a, some reconstructive knee surgery for a number of, well, I guess it was almost half a year. And at that time I was hobbling around, still teaching of course, because I guess I'm just crazy, but hobbling around with a, with a bow as a staff, mm. trying to, to still teach and needed to make a decision at that stage, what I was going to devote uh, my time into. Mm-hmm. And, and it was with sadness. I, I do love many elements of, of Aikido. And I was with, with quite a lot of sadness. I needed to, I think, decide at that point to, um, to focus on Kinjutsu. And, and at that time, we were also um, expanding. So we, were, we went from, like, from um, just one class a week to adding a couple of extra classes. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's the, 
it's that constant balance between at least for me the martial arts which is largely it's a hobby and work mm. and my family and everything else oh yeah I, and what yes is, what what's is your real job life yeah what's your real <laughs> job life so so i'm a lawyer with uh, the department of justice and lawyer, no. oh, yeah. and no. so wow yeah so that's that's my my day job and then yeah. Whenever I have opportunities to train, I uh, it's just you know, kinjutsu is is my. I think it's it has always been my stress relief. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a high high stress getting into law school. High stress being, you know, uh, going through law school, going through and and there's it's very hard to feel stressed out about day to day life when someone is practicing with you and there's a boken coming mm. to your head, you know, I find that there is that there, uh, a, uh, a, a serenity that comes along with not having to think about day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And when you enter a dojo, it's, I'm sure it's the same with you guys as well. You enter a dojo, it's like entering a completely different world. Yeah. And you can leave all of the, you know, the concerns at the door and just train, just enjoy training your mind and body. We both do um, it as a, as yeah, a well, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, we both do it full time, but uh, I still have that passion. I mean, right now when I'm doing Zoom classes, it's really not the same thing. I miss my place. I miss the dojo. I miss my students. I miss that relation. I miss, uh, I miss seeing the comprehension the understanding in their eyes when they get yeah. the point and uh, yeah you know it's yeah it's the the big loss of that mm-hmm. uh, pandemic situation i don't know for you jay yeah well me um well right now it's okay because uh, i still like do uh, class with uh, facetime and stuff like that so it's okay but um i have at some point um no more motivation back then like uh, because like as you say it was already like everywhere everywhere every time mm-hmm. and um the solution has been uh it was weird i just opened another school back then in <laughs> and uh so it was uh but it motivated me again uh, i work with my friend back then and uh now uh, i'm learning new stuff and i have student but it's because in my head i had a, a idea of what curdy was like something and then uh i learned that you know every student like um they they, they give you something every student mm-hmm. you know like it's it, it doesn't matter if they go to the bad black belt you know I, i used to take it really hard when they they used to leave at a, a higher level you know like yeah under green it's like ah uh, okay but iron and blue brown it hurt you you know some mm-hmm. i lose like uh, back then some and i was like ah uh, it's okay uh, they, they did that and it's gonna help them anyway and mm-hmm. so you see them in the future and they say mm-hmm. oh no it was really cool to me curry give me some really important things so mm-hmm. yeah but um yeah it was really hard for me like to to leave the the dojo and that but um when i go train with my teacher it's like another world you know mm-hmm. so yeah. my teacher is something and my dojo is another one mm-hmm. so i guess i guess it was like kind of like that for you too like you had your place and the place you train so yeah help a bit but yeah well i think that you know, for me, one of the, the biggest, as you said, it's with these long arts, you know, I've, I've been training this for, like I said, it's going almost on two decades and there's Mm -hmm. still kata that I have, I'm either terrible at, 
and I'm working on or that I haven't learned yet. And I need, I need to constantly have training partners who are able to, you know, physically, mentally do these kata to, to help myself improve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in starting of the dojo, the main reason I started the dojo was, you know, not necessarily to, to really become an instructor. It was, hey, I need training partners. If I open the doors to a dojo, then I will have people that hopefully will want to train and hopefully will will be able to to get good enough that they can train with me and then I'll get to learn too. Maybe there's this maybe that's selfish <laughs> in mm. some respects, but it's the idea of I always want to you know to give all of the knowledge that I have to everyone who is able and willing to learn. Mm-hmm. And and there's a I think there's a beauty in that for me of I'm wanting people to improve. I, I regularly say we're all climbing the same mountain. It's just I'm higher up on the mountain and I'm trying to get you guys up up as well so that we can preserve this art together. Because really, I mean, this art is this style of Kinjutsu, there's there's two schools left as that we know of that are still teaching it. And Which so is yours and, and mountain? That's it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. there, there is one that was in, in Montreal, but they've been, because of everything going on in Montreal, they've been shut down for a year with really questions about whether or not they're going to reopen. Mm. Yeah. And so we go back to, you know, it's not being trained in Japan anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my sensei trained there. And then when he left and the, the, his sensei passed away, the dojo shut down and, no one, as far as we know, no one's training it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it going like, gosh, I, I regularly say I don't want this beautiful art that I've spent all this time training to become extinct on my watch. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I pass down these techniques because, you know, as you were saying, Jeremy, there's, there's just this beauty of when I'm, I'm excited about a technique. I, I love two sword where you've got like one sword in each hand. I just mm-hmm. love those types of movements. And I get so excited. I'm, I want to show these, these techniques and you show them to a student and their eyes just light up with that same excitement that I remember having <laughs> learned it myself. They go, what, how in the world can you do that? That's amazing. And they get all excited and they want to practice it. And then I see them wanting to help, you know, teach other people and help other people develop those skills. And just as the, that beauty of passing on, you know, mm-hmm. passing on knowledge and doing it really firsthand i was wondering uh, if you can explain um what is uh, the the history of this the your style or the school i don't know the and how do you how do you pronounce the name so i'm gonna have to so I'll, it's it's a long question so i apologize yeah. i don't know if we've got time for a for a fairly long answer please feel free to uh to stop because as we've already mentioned i love history i love kinjutsu and i'm a lawyer so that means that i can talk for as long as <laughs> as i've got people that will listen <laughs> so we did so this the style was created in largely the founder was a guy by the name of kamizumi izanokame hiratsuna also known as as um, nobutsuna And he was a famous samurai that was 
he, he lived roughly early 1500s till 1570s. And from his, there's all these stories you see, he, he shows up in the Seven Samurai movie. He shows up in, in all kinds, he's super famous. Mm. And from him, there's many different lineages that, that came. Like there's, I, right off the top of my head, there's 10 schools that are still around that all say that he was the founder of their style. Mm. Now, because it's 450 years ago, <clears throat> everyone kind of says, oh, well, our style is directly from him and our style is from, from you know, is more pure than your style. And mm. who knows? It's 450 years ago. Yeah, other style is some problem. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. Well, the complicated piece of this is all these styles used a very similar naming pattern. Mm-hmm. And so they'll use different kanji, different uh, Japanese characters, mm-hmm. but they are all pronounced in a similar way because, you know, if, if I've learned a style from you, Manuel, I would like to show an indication that I learned from you, even if mm-hmm. I name it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the complication comes in, because as soon as I'll pronounce it, I'm sure that there's going to be listeners who will say, wait a second, there, there's many other styles that have that same name in it. And it's largely because there are, there's all these Japanese styles that all make reference. Mm-hmm. So the style name, um, well, I'll, actually, I've got it on my, on my shirt. So the style is called Shin Kageryu. And the characters mean heart reflection style and what that really captures is a philosophy of the school now i'll say that and say there's other styles of kinjutsu so there's an uh, there's another style called yagyu shinkagiryu so you'll hear the same shinkagiryu mm-hmm. it's it uses different characters and they also attribute it to to kamizumi izunokame And then you'll have other styles called Jiki Shinkagiru, which as well attributes it to a different. So you'll hear that name a lot. So I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that for, for clarity's sake, this is, it's got a similar pronunciation, but it's not the same, the same style. It just comes from a different, a different student. And, um, and what would you say that make the difference of your style Uh, compared to those so I, talk about. this is not something that i can necessarily speak to because while i've seen and talked to people that have trained in those other yeah. styles i i'm not skilled enough to be able to yeah, yeah, or okay. knowledgeable enough but mm-hmm. i can i can talk about the philosophy because the philosophy i think is in the is in the in in the kanji mm-hmm. it re, it means that the heart reflection or the the intention reflection So the idea is on the battlefield, and, and I'm sure you, ex- you experience this in, in other arts, you need to be able to very quickly pick out what's happening, what's going on. If I'm sparring with you, Manuel, I need to be able to, to read your punches, to read, oh, he's coming, he's going to sweep my legs. I have mm-hmm. to understand. And mm-hmm. so how am I going to actually do that? How am I going to get to a point where I've, I'm so good at training with people that I can figure out maybe even before you what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then the next part of that is once I'm able to figure out your intention, your technique, your movement, are, are you a lot more aggressive? Maybe Jeremy is a lot more defensive and he's trying to pull me in and trying to, to, to defeat me that way. 
Once I understand that, then it's going another step and trying to make sure that you move in a way that I want you to move. Mm-hmm. It's how do I see your intention? How do I reflect that intention? How do I stab towards your face, make you block so that then I use the opportunity to drop my sword and cut your stomach? So your style you know, is really all about counter, counter at the right timing. It's the, so it's looking at the guy calmly, the reflection to know when to counter at the right timing. It's to read like, the opponent basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, the, would you, but would you go level of attack? Like, Oh, uh, absolutely. As, as I understand, if like, if the guys give you uh, the, the right uh, signal, you would attack if he is absolutely. like defensive or that, but if he's aggressive, you would go like more defensive. So you would do both. It depends really like how you read the guy, but you would yeah, always exactly. move as he'd go. You wouldn't have like a, a, a strategy and go for it. You would always like read the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but you think about it in two ways. So one way is, You know, you're coming at me with a, uh, a cut and mm-hmm. I'm going to respond to that cut. And let's just say, you know, I, I'm responding to your technique. So that's what you're saying in terms of the counter. Mm-hmm. Now, if we want to think about it at a different level, if I can get into your face and throw a, an attack at you, well, you're going to do something and I'm still able to counter that. Mm-hmm. whether it's defensive or whether it's not. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the sparring piece. And that's what you're always having to think about because when you have three people coming at you, trying to, trying to, to hit you, there's very little opportunity. One person may come in very aggressive and then you go, boom, I've got a counter and, and finish them off. You know, the next person comes in, they're a little bit more hesitant. Well, you don't have opportunities. When you're sparring against multiple people, there's no opportunity to just wait it out and see what they're going to do. So you can be aggressive, go in. And by going in, by, by getting the distance in, they're either going to attack you or they're going to defend against you. And then you're going to counter that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that, does that make sense, Jeremy? Does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Well, well, yeah, it's a question. It's uh, like we talk. But yeah, so yeah, it's really like, It's so, but yeah, it's different from us. Us, it's like a, a defend, it's like self-defense. And so we're not gonna do, but you, it's really like you. We're not supposed to start yeah. the beef. No, no exactly. It's so, it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It's like, it's really, it's another way of thinking that we, yeah. that I'm not you. So it's really cool to have you on the, on the, not the shine. Uh, mm. I say that in English. <laughs> That's a word that I miss. Uh, On the channel, thank you. Mm, yeah, yeah. Is, and, that, is that is that is it the first time? No, I missed the the, the other uh, weapon guy. Yeah, and uh, what um, we we talk about uh, uh, the fact that we receive uh, on our uh, precedent episode in French, we receive a guy doing Aidan Gundo, which is a Korean, basically Korean Kenjutsu, uh, probably or Korean uh, Yaido at least and um you uh you said that there was a difference it's the um, the progression uh system which is uh, a belt uh, based like karate is and uh, this is a major difference that in kenjutsu there is no belt at all so uh how do you keep um how do you grade with the progression if oh, the, with the students question. 
So absolutely, that's a fantastic question. Um, it's something that I've regularly struggled with, to be completely honest, um, because the idea when you're talking about an art that was this old, mm-hmm. there, how do you know progression? Well, you got taught something. You had to go into the battlefield and you came back. That's how we know your progression. You got lucky or you're able to learn more things. It's the, the physical manifestation of progress is the complexity of the techniques and how good you can use the techniques, you know? And so the con like, so we bring this, this idea of, you know, there's, there's no belts. There's no, the, the main rank system within within a traditional kinjitsu dojo is seniority it's when did you start mm-hmm. and because the idea is someone that started with me 10 years ago i know them i've been training with them for a long time it's the art start came about in a very suspicious time when at any moment someone can be trying to break into your dojo and kill you so mm-hmm. you'd surround yourself with the people that you know the best and you would put the newer students further away because you're not certain about them yet. Mm. And so progress in that context was largely if you are able to grasp the techniques and then from there, you can learn more and more complicated techniques. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm teaching, and this is how I, how I learned as well. Yes, there's a curriculum. It's, we've got you know tension, which is a first kata that students learn in normal times, the first partner kata, then you go on to the second kata. This is our sword, sword kata. We use Boken, uh, wooden swords. And the, the real, the gauge on it is knowledge. You can't go through and because it is, you know, you'll have three min variation. One move for the first kata, you'll learn one technique. Second kata, you'll learn something that's similar, but more complex. Mm-hmm. Third kata, you'll learn another variation that's a lot more complex and it keeps on going up. Mm. So you really, it's a prerequisite system. And so mm. my, how I both can provide <laughs> in, input on progress and how students can feel progress is by learning how to do each kata as best as possible. And then when I have the opportunity to go through and assess them and it's just informal, Hey, I haven't seen you do first kata in a while. Why don't you come over here and we'll look at it. Okay, you've got a bare minimum. You've still got a lot of work, but let's go into second kata. And then you you learn the next one. So basically, you're, the kata you're practicing, you're practicing as a student indicates you as a teacher where I'm, where I'm, where I'm at yes. as, a teach, as a student. Basically, okay. And so it's yeah, similar it to what I experienced in other styles that have belts, um, mm-hmm. where it's you, you'll the katas are all behind belts. So it's like, okay, yeah. you got to do a test yeah. to do to get your mm-hmm. yellow belt. And then, and then after that, we'll teach you this kata. And then when you're good at that, mm-hmm. we'll test you on that. And then you'll get your next belt. And then you can go on to the next one. So it's mm-hmm. a similar mentality without necessarily the formalization that comes along with, with belt testings. It's, do do yeah. you guys uh, train with hakamas or do you have belt? Yeah. <laughs> so I, the answer to your question is yes, we, we, everyone starts out with hakama because it's normally what, what samurai would, would wear. They would, mm-hmm. yeah. when they would train, they would wear keiko gi, 
a type of like you know it's, it's just a standard white gi that that most martial arts have and then you'd have the hakama um but what we need is we need a thick a, like a really thick belt because when you put your hakama on it needs to anchor on that belt and then we mm. have swords that are also in our belt so do you and tie so, it uh, the the traditional way with the with the uh, with the with the knot on the back and then you put it okay so correct. it's a big one okay 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 good because we have yeah. the smaller one because it's you know we do it but it's like a, a more like a newer version of it but i know the because i i look it up like how to tie it like all the version of it because i do uh katana in north star mm -hmm. and i found that that like uh you can do the real traditional stuff and that's uh really complex so <laughs> menu you do yeah. that yeah not, yeah, not, uh, not often like one uh one or two times because uh, the 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 classes before i didn't have my akima with me and then okay. uh sensei uh, teach me how to put it but uh me by myself i cannot do it alone right now okay, i don't okay. think and it, it's the knot the, the the rest is okay but the knot is is not really and, neat and do you prefer training in nakama or pants because mm. me I, you know i trained with both And I feel so much more freely in a camera. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like it's so cool. But uh, and for the, if uh, if you have a katana, like it's it, it, like the the katanas, um, uh, the three. Uh, how do you say the saya? The saya. Yeah, let's say mm -hmm. it in Japanese. Uh, it won't move or remove. Mm -hmm. You know, with, when you have a belt, sometimes it goes away, it drops, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I hate that. Like uh, so, if I don't have a, a private classes with a student that's doing a katana. I'm going to put my camera before because mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be much better in it. I think there's an element of like the more formal you get dressed up for training, the, there, there is a certain amount of, uh, how do I, how do it I plays in it? your ads, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a certain amount of seriousness that comes along to it. Like mm. I, uh, so we're training outside we've been training outside for the last number of months because of covid and yeah. training outside is wonderful i mean i i love it because you get all of the the elements you've got sun in your eyes you've got we were training in the pouring rain when it came yeah. up and you're having to do kata with your your rain pouring down your face and you're splashing in the water and there's just a beauty in doing your techniques in a in an In, inhospitable is probably a little bit too too extreme but in unideal circumstances i mean in the dojo it's it's always nice the floor is always beautiful the weather you're not going to have too much cold or too much heat mm -hmm. at least ideally um, but whereas outside you've got all these additional elements mm -hmm. but not getting up and and putting on you know hakama not not going through and being able to wear the swords where the, the die show the two swords um, for sure does reduce the formality and some of the seriousness that comes mm. along with it. Yeah, It's yeah, like totally. a little bit of a ceremonial thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, like in the summer when we teach without a gi, it's like, uh, I yeah. feel le less like a teacher. I'm like, uh, I'm a coach tonight. Yeah. I, I never, <laughs> yeah. I never switch yeah. to the t-shirt on the summer. Yeah. I am always wearing the gi because <laughs> I'm not the t-shirt guy, as you know, Jay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to bounce back on the, um, the aspect of training outside because, to be honest, 
uh, at first it was like a shock. Like the first time I, I was like, we are outside. It's like six in the morning. It's dark. It's like training at night. <laughs> and, uh, but after a few class, I was like, you know, it's strange. It may be corny if I say it out loud, but mm -hmm. I feel so much more like it's warrior training because mm -hmm. it's cold, it's raining and the, the rain starts and we still, we stay there and we're like training under the rain. I was like, if it was my kid student, everybody was like, okay, we're going inside. <laughs> and I was like, no, we stay. And even at the end of the, uh, the fall, when it started to be icy on the ground and mm -hmm. stuff, we were still there at six in the morning in the cold with gloves and stuff. And I was like, it's Sorry, but it's really great. I was, <laughs> I was about to say the F word, but it's really great to be, to be like uh, opposed or confronted to the realness of the battlefield. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was so much great that I did one of my Zoom class outside. I bring uh, my, my, yeah, I bring my cell phone outside. I was in the, <laughs> I was in the, the snow everywhere and i told my student you know you always told me oh it's cold i cannot practice outside anymore <laughs> exhibit a i'm outside i'm doing all the classes outside it the snow falls and i was giving you the classes so you have no excuse go outside <laughs> but it's well, really I, great so i, I don't always know what think of yeah well i always think of martial arts like none of this comes naturally to I, well, I, I don't want to be too, too overbroad. Very few people walk into the dojo and say, oh, this is, this is totally natural for me. You know, we're wearing like Keiko Gi. We're wearing different things. It's not every day. There's all these rules that no one really knows, mm -hmm. especially when you have such a, a cultural um, importation from Japan. Like it's, Things like, okay, you don't wear your shoes when you, you walk in the door and you put your shoes in a certain mm -hmm. way. And so all of this is very confronting. And I really strongly, I, I think back at my martial arts training and the most important thing that I've always valued is it's constantly putting me in points of discomfort and then getting me to become comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's learning a new technique and being completely uncomfortable with it and incredibly frustrated. And then through training it, through working on it, through practice, through hitting those walls, through breaking through those mental gaps or those most mental walls, you become comfortable with it. And you think, wow, that's, you get that sense of success mm -hmm. only to, to go into the next technique that gives you that. And yeah. so going outside, it's that exact same feeling. It's, you know, it's affronting at first because as you said, the, the first time we were training and it was blizzard going on, it's like, gosh, this is terribly uncomfortable. And yet, especially as a group, you know, you've got 15 mm -hmm. people. This is before all the, the, the further restrictions. You've got 15 people who are all crazy enough to be out there training in this uncomfortable situation. And everyone walks off the, <laughs> the, the field with the smiles on their faces because they, they were given a challenge and they 
absolutely rose to that to to that challenge and then succeeded and then they go home and we're still talking about you know the the blizzard that we trained through mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I i really love that piece of martial arts i yeah, i love that that the element. best part is when you break through the barrier when we break through what's hard you know like being sitting in the in your sofa doing nothing not, not going to make you happy going yeah. outside going like through your fear through your Uh, something difficult may, gonna make you proud happy and healthy happily and at the end of Absolutely. the day <laughs> and ju- just and, to make it uh, no i don't want to cut you uh, I had, uh, it's because i see we have like the timer no uh, no it's want... not problem i can um, do a third part <laughs> uh yeah it's okay um yeah i was wondering like now you're teaching you're doing stuff uh i guess you have a sword for teaching do you have like what how many Okay, there's two questions. How many sword do you have? Okay, how many sword do you have? How many katana? And l- like you for sure don't uh, teach with the same one. You you maybe like to train more, but what's the difference? And which one do you like the most at the end of the day? Hmm. Interesting question. So, um, so there's there's the practical response, which is. Insurance companies don't like people training with live blades. Generally, people's fingers don't like training enough to put themselves at risk Mm -hmm. when training with live blades. And so it is absolutely one of the traditional pieces that that has, you know, I'm not permitting anyone to use live blades in, Mm -hmm. in my dojo. Um, because I'm not willing to go that far and accept those risks. Do you mm-hmm. use um, on your own? I, you? Yes. Okay. And so I, I have my, as I mentioned, my antique one. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of a live blade is it keeps you honest. I, and I'm not going to, like, I, I say this not to not to bash any of the other mm. martial artists who I see on, on Instagram, who I watch, there's lots of beautiful athletic techniques that I absolutely respect. Mm-hmm. But the question that I have when someone is flipping the sword through the air is doing techniques as fast as they can with lots of, without necessarily being as concerned about the potential danger is you're able to, to skip out. And I say this very much realizing that when I train, for example, a a kata with a boken wooden sword versus when I train it with an Yaito, which is an unsharpened practice sword, I, I notice my own standards slipping because there's no danger and I Mm -hmm. start cutting corners and I start noticing that I'm putting speed over technique. Yeah. As soon as I practice with my, with my life blade, you know, by myself, all it takes is one forgetfulness in the details Mm -hmm. and you're getting cut and you get cut once, even just a little cut. And that'll automatically, boom, I'm going to have to make sure that I have to put the basics over top of everything else. And I have to be completely honest with myself because mm. there is an element of danger and fear that comes along with it. And you're constantly battling that in your mind going, am, am I doing this right? 
And if I'm not, what is the danger points? So to answer your question, yes, absolutely. I've got my favorite sword. My favorite sword is my antique sword. Yeah. <laughs> How often do I train with it? I don't train with it very often because I don't, I don't feel that I have the time necessary and the place to be training every single day with it to be able to make sure 100% of the time I'm honest with the techniques and I'm working on the techniques and I'm, I'm able to really focus on all those details so that I'm completely comfortable with, with what I'm doing. And so I regularly will train, especially in class when, uh, when I'm not wanting to, um, to be in violation of our insurance policy, I'm always training with, with my, uh, with my Eito, which is the, the mm. doll sword. Yeah. And you, you show it with your finger. Like you have it. Do you have it right now? The antique sword? Oh, oh no. Yeah. Okay. 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 Ah, uh, can we see? Can we see it for the Patreon? Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, we can see and it. So, and again, like all, all of the procedures, like how do you take it out so that you're not going to stab yourself? Uh -huh. Wow. And so the sword itself, I mean, who knows what the quality is like. The sword, you, you, one of the things that I'm always noticing is lots of people, lots of people bring in bring in you know antique oh, swords oh. and they're like oh well let's i'd That's like to know beauty. about yeah. and you see all kinds of you know really really neat things when you look at antique swords you see you see that they're not perfect they're there they'll have all these you know little ding marks in them mm -hmm. the, the way the haman goes is is not perfect and then you see you know newer swords that are like you know, the, the cheap imitations done up out of, you know, some sort of steel at a factory, just acid wash the Hamans on and you're like, oh, it's too, it's too uniform. It doesn't have that, that, that life that comes along with these antique swords. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how many do you have? Like, it's your favorite one, but how many do you have like in total? Antique. No, no. Okay, or, you have many. Do you have more one? than no, one? No, no, no. Oh. Just one. Just one. Yeah. No, okay, I, okay. No, no. I, I mean, I like, uh, with your Vulcan, the one for teaching, your antique, it's like three. Do you have, like, uh, many more sword? Or, like me, I know I have, like, staff. I have, like, four staff, five pair of nunchuck, uh, three pair of cameras, and stuff like that. <laughs> I have too many weapons for my hands. <laughs> okay, so. Hmm. So, in terms of swords, I've got an antique sword. I've got the um, my Yaito, which is the the unsharpened one that's made for training. Mm -hmm. um, those are the only katana that I have. Then I've got okay. a, a sh like a wakazashi, mm -hmm. which is a short sword, and mm -hmm. I have that. I don't have an antique one of that. Um, I have just an Yaito one that I use, and then the rest of the other weapons are almost all just wood. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it's okay. largely because that's what we use and yeah and i mean boken because we're constantly training in pre-covid times we're constantly training partner practice mm -hmm. boken we'll I'll, i'll go through a boken every year to the oh, point yeah. that you're you're constantly making contact so you're constantly needing to maintain it you need to make sure there's no splinters and no slivers and sanding it down and so you, you know, will need to try uh in sparring the boken from our friend steve and bushi in yeah. Quebec City because uh, I really like the Wakizashi and and to be honest I didn't buy his uh, strongest one I buy the maple 
But okay. It's really a good one, but I mean, I know he has a like stronger kind of wood, uh, but it's it was a little bit expensive for me at that at the time. It's COVID time, you know. But uh, mm. may, uh, one day I promise to myself I will have one. I think it's uh, Amarante, the name of the wood, the kind of the wood. It's like mm. black and it's it, it seems like uh, rock. It's wood, but it seems like it's look, it looked like rock. It's really impressive. But I don't know. Jay, you have a question? So, so yeah, I had a question because you say you love history. You love... Uh... The law thing, I guess, and the security. So I love history too. It's like one of my patients. Um, what? Uh, so um, what do you know about Yasuke? The the bit, one of the samurai back then. He was like a the first big black guy, samurai. black guy from yeah from Africa. He came. Uh, so uh, yeah, did you know about that? He inspired like movie from that, like the last samurai and stuff like that. Did you know that story? I I've heard of it. Yeah. And. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've, I've heard references to a number of different, you know, different, you know, gaijin, uh, uh, foreign people who came to Japan during the 1600s and, yeah, exactly. and became samurai. Exactly. I, I don't really know too, too much to, to be. Check it out. They're going to make a Netflix TV show, I think, about it. About him? Oh, It's going to okay. be called uh, Yasuke or a Netflix movie. I don't know, but Netflix is working on it. Because I and, saw uh, a little episode. It says like it was like he was big, you know, like a black guy with yeah. Asian mm -hmm. dude. He was like six feet. They were like four, yeah, five it, feet, you know. So it was like he fight battles with them. at the same yeah. time. Yeah, he, he was not only trainee fight battles uh, yeah. in Japan as a samurai. And uh, there's also uh, a French rap a group that made a recent album named Yasuke in honor of that story. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we talk about that uh, offline. Uh, we, we want to know uh, what is your appreciation of The Last Samurai, which is for us a classic. But I recently learned doing some digging in history channels on YouTube and stuff that the real guy... Uh, depicted in the movie was in fact a french he's not american at all so it's a real story which uh, with a french soldier that was hired to train japanese uh, with the modern weapon and uh, and he flipped and the, he turned he turned against uh, the other side and the he fencing. fight with the samurai and he stays in japan for a year and the the french army allow him to stay But they say, you know, we don't want to be, um, I don't know, uh, implicated. We don't want to be part of it. So yeah. you're going to be on a one-year vacation. So if you stay in Japan, but because at first he was there and uh, he was like a loan from France to the Japan, uh, Japanese army. And then he stays and he fights against the samurai. But basically, so what do you think about the movie anyway? I... So I was training two years when the movie came out mm -hmm. and Warner Brothers was doing a, uh, a big press release mm -hmm. for the movie in Edmonton and called, called up my dojo and, and said, hey, would you like to do a uh, demonstration in the wow. movie theater for all the press? And that was the first demonstration I had ever done. And we had Whoa, done it with the Tycho group there. So imagine, you know, a, a IMAX theater 
with taiko drums in all of the corners, we're moving through and we're doing kata and training and and that was kind of I don't I don't want to say the pregame show, but it it was you know kind uh, of. yeah it was an indication you know we we did this performance and then we all got free free tickets to watch the movie and I so I, I say that because a I've got very fond memories of you know that mm-hmm. was the first performance that we've ever done or that I'd ever done and uh, and then just you know the excitement that come along I, I remember watching it and. Again, as a, as a, you know, with my history background, yeah, for sure. There's, there's elements. It's historical fiction. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that because for me, it captures so many of the, the beautiful themes, mm-hmm. you know, the themes of, of, you know, why, why I train, you know, the, it captured so many of the, the images, mm-hmm. you know, training in the field when they're, when, when they're, uh, you know, working on their techniques, uh, going through and, and so much of the, the etiquette, the context for this art. And, and so I, I, I absolutely love it. And, and even to this day, I think it's funny. It's, it's one of these, things that lots of people will come into the dojo and I'll say, Oh, like, how did you hear about Kinjutsu? And they're like, Oh, well, I watched the last samurai and it absolutely, you know, spoke to me and I wanted to look and try to find something that I can, you know, can, can train, train Kinjutsu. And then I found your website. (laughs) It's like the karate kid of Kenjutsu. Yeah. Kind of phenomenon. Yeah. Or how many people in the Aikido world, were inspired by Steven Seagal watching mm-hmm. him in, in movies in the, in the eighties. And that's what brought them into, into the, the Aikido dojos. Yeah. Would you, and do you, do you know any other good movie with the uh, Kenjutsu like a uh, main, uh, main, main, uh, main track with, or like, uh, cause you know, there's Minikuriti movie, that, but there's, is there like mm-hmm. any like good Kenjutsu movie or with sword? At least? Seven Samurai. Have you ever seen yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the, the, oh, uh, I, uh, yeah, okay. The old yeah, one, because I think they did the remake, yeah. Well, and then there's a, there's a movie called The 13 Assassins that came out a couple of years ago. Okay. And that's uh, another just fantastic, so much wonderful sword work in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the movies that I was, I, it's a trilogy of movies. It's the, um, the Kenshin movies. So I don't know if you've, Ever heard of the well? Gosh, the Rurouni Kenshin. I've no. I've completely butchered the the name. It was an anime series that was around, okay. and I remember watching it when I was, oh gosh, uh, 15, 16. And they had done a, a remake in ja- in Japan, and the uh, the kinjutsu in it is is astounding. Obviously, the actor trained significantly. Mm-hmm. um amounts before doing it because it's it's a wonderful movie and and it's a uh, same sort of thing where it talks about the dichotomy that happens in japan mm-hmm. between the meiji restoration where you have the old feudal system you know really in direct conflict with you know a modern mm-hmm. a modern view of westernization yeah. and what do you do with these clash of cultures yeah oh nice oh, okay. uh, And to me, one when you you ask what is your favorite Blade movie, I would say uh, Kill Bill, because it it's real. I I know it's not a serious martial art movie, but 
It really depicts the love of the blade. They they talk a lot about about mm -hmm. the forgery, the the you know uh, the, the, the it has its old uh, martial art uh, training, uh, like a little <laughs> bit sketch. I know a little bit corny, but it's it's like yeah. an homage to to the yeah. It's, Tarant it's Tarantino world. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's Tarantino. It's but... cartoony, but it's it's fun in that context. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. When she goes and he's like, uh, "You want you want me to make you a blade?" and, and she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> she, I never made blade for like many decades." Blah blah blah. Yeah, it was really interesting. I really liked that movie. So, hey, um, it is a good ending. Uh, yeah, board. it is a good ending on that uh, movie recommendation note. <laughs> so, thank yeah. you for thinking that uh, that hour and a half. Uh, time with us uh, tonight it's it yeah. was uh, quite a ride thank you very much maybe we're gonna make a part two uh, in a few months or a few years and uh, <laughs> so if people want to know about uh, your dojo i know right now it's closed but when when it is it better to catch up uh so we're the the dojo name is ottawa kinjutsu Mm -hmm. And so we have our website, which is just www.ottawakinjutsu.ca. We've got an Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. That's that's the best way in which most people I know about where we are. Um, we've got all the news updates on there because, quite mm -hmm. frankly, as you mentioned, even even once we reopen again, it's we oh gosh, I, we have a wait list of I think 15 people who have been asking to want to train with us. Oh yeah, but. But at this time, it's like, you know, we've got to focus on on our current students and just not accepting anyone new. But once COVID's over, yeah, we'll be back to, to accepting anyone. Um, um, I have one last question. It, uh, it just yeah. came in my mind. I know maybe it's going to take time, but we can finish on that maybe. Um, yeah. What about competition? We didn't even talk about it. Like, do you guys have some? Do you like? I guess the answer, but like, I want to talk about it. Like, even if if it's fast. But what about competition? Do you guys have some? Do you do like because you do have form? You do do sparring? Do you, mm -hmm. like uh, because you you say that the other one like kendo is more like for point, and you is mm -hmm. you don't have point, but you guys still have competition about maybe form or any other. Absolutely, thing. Uh, absolutely, and so it's competition in terms. It's competition in that, yes, you'll have, in the, in the simplest context, I'll be putting on armor. You'll be putting on armor. We have bamboo swords and we try to hit each other. You know, okay. there, there is, that's the sparring element. But there's and, no tournament. And, I think that was your question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, do you have like a medal and stuff in your first, second? Uh, no. Okay, okay, okay. So you just no, do like... It's more a kendo uh, thing, right? So kendo yeah. has tournament. Yeah. And... Okay. And the, the funny piece about it is, you know, the, the, again, going back to the context, the best place to lose techniques and to lose bouts and, and sparring sessions is in the dojo with your friends. Mm. Because when someone hits you with a, a bamboo sword and just decimates you, you know, you're not even close. You're like, wow, that was fantastic. You, you don't lose anything besides for your pride. Mm -hmm. And so the dojo, whenever we're, we're sparring, It's, it's not about who can really be the best and who can beat everyone else and who's going to be, you know, we, the, the goal is really to use the opportunity 
to see what works and what doesn't work and to be okay with getting hit, you know, and then go, okay, fantastic. My friend hit me. Uh, he went right through my block and, and absolutely got the, a very nice clean point. Hmm. How can I figure that out for the next time? And so we really look at getting hit as not necessarily a negative thing, if that makes sense. Mm, it's yeah. an opportunity to, improve to from learn. That, yeah. Exactly. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's competition in that, yeah, for sure, everyone, you know, you have people get their, their stress rate gets up and no one likes getting hit. You want to be able to, yeah, I'm going to go into this, this, you know, this sparring match and I'm going, I want to win. But it is a lot more collaborative than it is confrontational. Mm. Okay. Well, as, as collaborative as sparring can be. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. one thing that you, you told me that I will always have in mind is that in Kenjutsu, the, the, the ultimate goal that you have is that you're not supposed to be the first to, it's not important that you're first to touch the other one. It's important that you're the last, standing. the last one to do so yeah. because you're supposed to be the last one standing. Yeah. And that's the major difference to me. So. Yeah. The historical piece is that, you know, a samurai that trained in this style needed to be able to defeat seven opponents on the battlefield before, you know, that's, that's the minimum. Otherwise it was dishonorable death if you didn't get through your seven. And so that mentality of, you know, you can't take, you can't take one or two hits. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got to be able to, you know, to the mentality of everything needs to be, as clean and as sharp as possible. So going back to, you know, if I can go back to my first class where I was frustrated about doing showman or doing straight like cuts the entire class, mm. you know, it goes back to all those details. All those details are so important for being able to cleanly do your technique while you're sparring, because otherwise there's very little room for error, especially with sword. You know, all it takes is one bad technique and you're, you're gone. You're out of it. Of course, because the <laughs> sword didn't give you a second chance. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Jeremy. It was uh, quite a ride and really interesting. And uh, we're going to put the links for the dojo in description and everything. Oh, awesome. And uh And the episode will be an exclusive for our Patreon for like a month. And then okay. it goes public on our YouTube channel. So if you like the episode, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the <laughs> Patreon. And uh, so that's it. I think that's it. Do you have another message, Jay? Uh, subscribe to the Patreon so we can uh, have better stuff to do uh, our podcast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we are, we just want to put money for so we have a camera stuff like that. So we just want to be better for you guys. So yeah. become subscribe. Yeah, of course. And uh, as you can see in this own episode, we learned to place our lightning. So we start from being counter day to being okay. So uh, please forgive us. We're all learning. It's a journey. And uh, thank you again, Sensei. And uh, I can wait to train again. And uh, uh, don't forget to send us uh, pictures uh, to publicize the, the, the episode. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful last you said, hour and a half of chatting with you. So 
you yeah. know, great luck on uh, on this podcast. I know I'm going to be listening uh, as we go forward here. 